This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to Inside Carolina's postgame podcast. North Carolina goes to Virginia and loses for the eighth straight time. Sherelle McMillan joins me. Late night action on this podcast. What's going on, Sherelle? Nothing much. Uh, I think I'm going to upset some people. I've been formulating my opinions on this game. I think some people are not going to be happy after uh, they hear what we have to say. So we shall see. Uh, <laughs> it's always tough to formulate those opinions, um, trying to get a story posted and all that. So I'm glad you've got some going. Carolina, like I mentioned, 65 58. Of course, Johnny T shirt and Johnny T shirt.com sponsors of this podcast I, I mean you know it's going to be trouble and a difficult night when Armando Baycott goes out at the very beginning of the game uh, North Carolina absolutely shredded Virginia twice last season on the back of Baycott uh, not just Baycott but Baycott did a ton of that and you got Pete Nance out already Baycott did not get to play either game against his home state schools um, but Sherelle, just overall thoughts for before we dig into the nuts and bolts of it, because I like you have some opinions. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you can't be but so upset um, considering the circumstance. I, I know that sounds like moral victory. The the positive sunshine pumpers are here as they're, they're called on the on the tarpet premium. Um, but, you know, when you lose Armando Baycott in the first minute of the game. So actually, let's go back entering the game, I don't know how many UNC fans or people who follow UNC thought they could go into John Paul Jones Arena and win tonight. So let's keep that in mind. And then within 90 seconds, you lose a potential All-American ACC Player of the Year, your unquestioned best player, a guy who's on a major heater right now, five straight games with 20 points, um, putting out double-doubles. So um, you lose that, and you have to play 39 minutes without him. Uh, and his backup is out too because he's injured. So if you would have said that, you know, three hours ago, it would have been like, oh, they're, they're going to lose by 20 or 30 because there have been much better Carolina teams, national championship teams, teams with lottery picks that have gone into UVA and looked much worse than this team did tonight. Um, so I think it shows that they can battle, um, that they are mentally tough, but it's not an excuse to say they, they were just outmanned. I mean, I don't know what people expect. Like Jalen Washington comes off the bench and yeah, he looked good for, you know, the first half, but then you kind of realize this is like his eighth game in the last two and a half years. And he comes back down to earth a little bit. Um, So I'm not particularly upset because I I thought they were going to lose coming into this, but I'm a little encouraged that they were able to stay with a pretty solid UVA team considering they were missing two starters and the, the key, everybody's, Unquestioned key to the team, Armando Baycott. 
Yeah, so that's not what I thought um, you meant when you said you were going to upset some people. Um, You know, somebody in the comments already hit you up and said, there goes the built-in excuse, no Baycott. It's not an an excuse. It's reality. It's a fact. Like, take away the best player from any team, and they're unlikely to win. That's not an excuse. That's just reality. So if people don't want to live reality, that's that's their, their that is fine. But you can't just say, oh, well, they should have won without Armando Baycott. How much time have we spent the last three months talking about everything for UNC, centers, pivots, um, goes off of what Armando Baycott does for the team? So it's not an insignificant loss. So I, you can't just push it aside and say it's an excuse. Let me ask you this. We'll sort of work backwards here. Um, I felt like the last minute of the game was as, as microcosmic of this North Carolina team the last three years definitely the last three years, really the last couple, right there at it. You had Caleb Love, who had been bad all game, um, hit a bunch of shots like he's prone to do or apt to do, and then made some mistakes, and then North Carolina just couldn't get over the hump. Just speak to that last stretch there, because Carolina had opportunities. And Jamie Juice Newton, if – I haven't noticed the name in the podcast feed, and I appreciate you joining us, um, but you haven't listened long enough to to realize that there are no moral victories on this podcast. It doesn't work that way. Speaking facts is not a moral victory. Anyway, Sherelle, just sort of speak to that. Uh, I mean, I always feel like this North Carolina team, and I said it last year, uh, and I say it this year, they can get these games won, but it's like they wait to the last minute and then they just sort of crap out at the very end um, rather than get over to hump. What did you see in the last minute or the last couple minutes that maybe were very familiar? It was a little disappointing uh, just because the, the trio of people who were really handling the ball, who were, who were in charge, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, and Leaky Black, those guys have played a ton of games. Um, I think this was – I'm into keeping up with the stat. I think this was Leaky's 114th start in his 138th game and love and Davis are, you know, they're getting up towards a hundred games and a hundred starts as well. So they've been around the block. They've seen a lot of things and to still be making some of the careless errors. Now that is something, if you want to get upset and you want to question, and you want to wonder why it's still happening. Uh, it's those kind of things. Yes. UVA is a, a tough defensive team, especially, um, you know, as a unit, they're not outside of Beekman. They're not great individual defenders, but as, as a unit, they're, they're pretty good. Um, so you expect a, a couple of turnovers, but um, some of the turnovers were just simply careless or, or lackadaisical, or just throwing the ball uh, with not enough verve, I guess you would call it. And, you know, Beekman had those two steals within the first five minutes, I believe. Um, so I think between the two, it was up around eight or nine turnovers. Um, and that's just too many for, you know, guards who are as experienced as they are. Obviously, they had to carry a higher load. Uh, because Baycott was out, they had played a lot of minutes. But still, those are kind of things that are, um, you know, you can prevent. Some of the shots not going in, that happens. But turnovers, poor passes, bad angles, all that stuff is preventable. Uh, so that leads into what happened at the end of the game in that, you know, Caleb, you know, I, I thought he had a pretty solid floor game. You could see he was trying to distribute and trying to be point guard. Um, as we mentioned, there were some turnovers, but couldn't hit anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, he gets that left wing and he, he starts knocking down three threes in I think the final three minutes. Um, but then on the defensive end, loses Beekman, nobody helps, and they're down five instead of having a chance to tie the game. 
so to your point, it's just that that maddening variance that we always talk about. If you can't see me or listening to podcasts, I'm putting my hands up like a like a roller coaster, like a wave. That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of what they've been. Um, and outside of that stretch last year, it's, it's been that. So uh, you just hope they can get out of it somehow. But this this loss is not compounded with what they've done the rest of the season. Yes, it's not great. But in isolation, losing at UVA isn't. It's not great. You don't want to lose at UVA, but it's not. Uh, it's not a defining moment in the season. Yeah, I, I don't disagree there. I mean, UVA has always been tough up there. Um, Carolina got them at home and in an ACC tournament last year. Uh, you know, 65-58, Carolina loses. Love was one for eight, uh, and then he finishes four for 13 with 13 and hits the big shot. And it, but somebody referenced in the chat, and I was going to ask you about this, and, and it's always tough for me, but in the first half, they call a timeout to run a play. McCoy throws it away on the inbounds pass. At the end of the game there, they get a timeout or get a ball, and then Love throws it away. I mean, the end game, in half, end game were brutal. Um, what's going on there? I, I mean, to your point earlier, it's, this is a veteran, veteran team, but they make some very not veteran mistakes repeatedly. And I that's the part, disappointing, maddening, whatever you want to call it, is is what's, I guess, baffling for me. I think, uh, you know, you talk with Staples all the time and the day after, after football games. And he almost always says, it looks really bad, um, like they're not being coached to do something right. But it's just one little small thing. You know, Des Evans moves four inches to his right. And instead of having a tackle for loss, it's an 80-yard gain. I think that's what he's seeing. I don't, I don't think Hubert Davis is, um, you know, I don't think he's drawing up <laughs> turnover plays. <laughs> I don't think that's his intent. Um, for some reason, it just it doesn't click. I don't know if it's, um, you know, guys freelancing. I don't know if it's, you know, the moment is is maybe, I don't want to say the moment's too big because they've been in the biggest moments possible. I don't know if they were just rattled, but it, it is strange. I don't really have an explanation for it, that it happens over and over again, especially like we said before, considering just how many games these guys have played. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. Yeah, I'm not sure why Leakey's not a designated inbounder there. Somebody mentioned it in the chat, and I agree 100%. I, I mean, you, I think you got Leakey throwing the ball in. But anyway, that's not the point. you, you got to make plays, and Carolina's unable to make plays. Let's talk about Jalen Washington a bit. You talked about how he um, looked good in the first half, not so great in the second half. But, I mean, you're talking about getting thrown to the fire. He goes from playing nothing to a couple minutes – and then is immediately tossed out there for, what, 27 minutes? Uh, that's a lot. I thought he looked really good um, 
he got winded in the second half and then got exposed a little bit. But what did you think of him overall? Yeah, uh, I thought he played really well. To your point, isn't that one of the – over the years, you start to learn the coaches, uh, their isms and their sayings. You know, Roy Williams had a ton of them that we all learned. And I think Hubert's now is, is starting to be the whole um, – I don't know when your opportunity is going to come, but I know it's going to, or or some variation of that. And that's what happened with Jalen Washington tonight. No one expected Armando Baycott to turn his ankle, you know, within the first minute of the game. You really expected him probably to play 35, 36, 37 minutes. So really didn't expect to see Jalen Washington at all. And then he, he gets put out there and he performs. And I think you're seeing the, the five-star talent, which is what he was before he was injured uh, multiple times. I think you're starting to see that come through. Um, especially on the offensive end, just a really soft touch, um, that jumper from the baseline. He's just, he's a really good mid-range, you know, face up, I guess, five is what you would call him. Um, I was encouraged because one of the knocks on him was just his his physical strength, considering how infrequently he played basketball over the last couple of years. But he he battled in there with some some big, strong guys uh, and, and pulled some rebounds away from him. He moved well without the ball, showed really no ill effects of, of any injury. It was more just fatigue and, uh, like you said, being thrown out there against a, a really good defensive team. But uh, it bodes well for the future. I don't, you know, obviously you can't expect that from him every game. But I thought Vitell had a great point that if Baycott is, um, you know, can get back healthy and Nance can get back healthy and you have Washington now with the confidence he gained from this, if he can play 10 or 12 minutes a game, that, that changes things for UNC a little bit and allows them to do a little bit more. Uh, so from that aspect, it might be a lose the battle, win the war type situation, uh, but definitely a coming out party for him and, and happy for him because, as you know, he's been through a lot the last two, two and a half, three years. Absolutely. And everybody to a person says he's just a great kid and a great um, story and he works his butt off. First half, five for seven, 12 points, three rebounds in 11 minutes. Second half, 0 for four, three rebounds in 16 minutes in the second half. Clearly the big fella. Um, it worn out period uh yeah you 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 heard on the broadcast they said he played more minutes tonight than he had the entire season which means he played more minutes tonight than he has the last two and a half actual calendar years that's your your relevance to that (laughs) um let me ask a question about um hubert davis's rotations i thought the lineup there um and i had it like from the 16 minute mark to the 11 minute mark um when, when virginia got cooking a little bit and I don't like singling that one player because everybody wants to talk about, let's talk about Justin McCoy. You know, he's blah, blah, blah. But Justin McCoy is what he is. Um, he does the best he can when he's out there. But I just didn't like that lineup. I'm sure rotations in general. They hadn't had a whole lot of rhyme or reason. I said on the last podcast with Dewey, I felt like it was the NBA way. You know, you, your lineups and your rotations are based on the matchups, whereas maybe Roy and Dean Smith were going to play who were they going to play, no matter who they were playing. What, what have you thought um, specifically tonight, but in in the last couple of weeks? Um, I would say probably to the untrained eye, and I'm, I'm counting myself in that, a little uneven. Um, when one guy might play 20 minutes one night off the bench, and the next night he plays three and a half. And I, I don't know if that's great or conducive to, to building chemistry and, and building a bench, but I'm sure there's a rhyme to the reason, whether it's matchup dependent or – who played well in practice. Obviously, we don't have you know access to watch practice. I wish we did, um, but we don't. So it, it could be a situation where you know someone excelled in doing something that Hubert Davis wanted during the week, and he rewarded them 
with playing time. I think overall the issue is that each bench player has some kind of uh, flaw. And I say that, I don't mean that super negatively, but some kind of deficit, something they need to improve on that prevents them from playing a little bit more. And so you're trying to miss it, you know, mix and match who can give you X on X night. So maybe one night you might need a, a more physical presence. And in the absence of Baycott and in the absence of Jalen Washington, who had been out there for a while, if you need a bigger physical presence, the really only one left on the roster is Justin McCoy. Um, so that's probably why he played. I think it's simple whether or not um, he should play those extended minutes. That's the head coach's decision. And I'm sure he'll be asked about it or is being asked about it right now. Um, uh, you wonder about Puff. It's like, well, you know, Puff played pretty well. Could he have played some more minutes? And I think it just, it really is Hubert Davis looking at matchups and trying to figure out exactly who he thinks can give him that one thing that he needs. And tonight it seemed like he wanted a physical presence at the five as opposed to trying to play five out. And I guess that's why he went with McCoy a little bit more um, than than uh, other players. Yeah. Um, Carolina loses 65-58. Of course, this is Inside Carolina post-game podcast. Johnny T-shirt, our sponsor. I'm trying to look down the line. Seth Trimble sort of struggled a little bit. He looked like a freshman out there against an experienced group of Virginia players. I mean, Virginia's a solid basketball team. I guess for me watching this game, it was one of those, no, you don't expect them to win when Baycott goes out, but they had the opportunity, so you want to see them steal one, and I felt that would have been a steal. Um, Folks asking in the chat about Baycott's ankle, um, that'll come from Charlottesville and from Chapel Hill. Later, I would wager that Baycott will play when he absolutely is able to play. Um, He's that type of guy. We'll see what happens there. And Puff Johnson, 14 minutes. Justin McCoy, 15 minutes. What else, Sherelle? Because I've got one more question for you, but it's looking ahead. What else from this game, sort of like a takeaway? Uh, We usually do two or three takeaways, but, I mean, they lost. And they lost and they're beat up. Um, And they've got a game on Saturday against Louisville. I'll go ahead and ask you that question. You said that game. <laughs> you said that game scares you. I mean, you know what? What is it about a wounded animal is the most dangerous, or whatever the saying is? I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically, the idea that that someone who desperately needs a win, who desperately needs something positive to happen, they see that Carolina Blue come in, and they see that potentially they'll be without Armando Baycott, and who knows, you know, what Nance's status is going to be, and you know, they might get a little confidence in themselves and there's anything this UNC team has proven is that they allow teams to get a little bit of confidence in themselves. And once that starts, it's hard to stop. So um, you just hope they go in there and take care of business. You, you hope Armando Baycott's well enough to play. If he's not, then, I mean, I, that's going to be, I think that's going to be a dogfight despite how awful, putrid, terrible, uh, bad Louisville has been this season. Um, and, you, you know, if you're not going to have the Q1 wins like North Carolina is struggling with right now, you cannot have this kind of loss. This would be, I think it'd be a Q3 loss, and you just can't have that on your, your tournament resume, um, especially if you're trying to avoid that that 8-9 line again. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the Louisville game now, folks, because this, this game in Virginia is a Q1 loss for sure and, and will be. Um, Carolina 3-3 three and three in the conference. I don't even know what they are, 11-6 and six overall. Yeah, 11-6. Um, you know, but, the, Go ahead. I was going to add, too, this is one of the reasons uh, I was talking to a friend, but it makes a ton of sense. This is why you have to beat Iowa State. This is why, you know, you have to – a couple of those games that were 50-50, you know, Alabama, you you had to lead in overtime. 
Iowa State, I think you were up seven with four minutes left. Uh, Pitt, you were up eight in the second half. Tonight, you were up seven in the second half. Uh, is there another one they were up in the second half? Uh, I, I can't exactly remember, but there's, it's kind of a recurring theme. So to your point, they have to close some of these out. Um, and if you beat Iowa State, uh, you know, it doesn't look as bad. Or if you are able to get the win against Alabama, then you're, you know, you're now you're 11 and five. You're not feeling as as bad uh, or excuse me, you're 12 and five. You're not feeling as bad, but 11 and six. And now, you know, you've got the really one quality win, which is Ohio State. So you got to be big Michigan fans the rest of the way. Um, you got to hope Virginia Tech turns things around. Uh, they've struggled recently. And then you got to go out and just, you know, beat some some solid to good teams. And they'll have the opportunity over the next couple of weeks. They indeed, they will. Louisville on Saturday, 2 o'clock, I believe. Um, yeah, Louisville, whew. I watched them a couple of times. They are brutally bad. But they, but they Tommy, shall be hot, I would think. Yeah, you've, you've been around. You, I mean, you remember <laughs> how that game was? Um, was it last year? When Yeah, last year, Louisville was not good either. And it took everything Carolina had to, just to send the game into overtime. And then people started throwing batteries and there were techs and, you know, they got out of there with a win. But um, that's how it was last year with, you know, I would argue probably a better Carolina team even at that point. So I I don't think anyone should go in like, oh, it's Louisville. They're terrible. Carolina's going to win by 15. I don't expect that. It it would be wonderful if they could go in there and do that. But I I don't think that should be the expectation. Yeah. I mean, Carolina's got to have the veteran guys that are playing step up. Baycott. If he's out or whatever, Pete Nance, if he's out or whatever, but Leaky, RJ, and Caleb Love have got to be better, especially down in crunch time, um, because it's their team. They're the leaders. They're the old guys. We always talk about the old heads and teams that have veteran leadership are the ones that win the tight games. Well, Sherell ticked off several that North Carolina's let get away with those old guys. That needs to stop going Saturday at Louisville. Sherelle McMillan, I'm Tommy Ashley. Anything else, Sherelle? I think we've I think we've handled this one. Yeah, I think so. I, I just not I'm not I know people want us to be spitting mad and, and upset, but you know, everybody thought they were gonna lose with a healthy team. And then they, you know, have two starters out and they have the lead for a, a large portion of the game and are down one possession with two minutes left. So I don't think you can ask for much more without the ACC player of the year and a potential all American. I agree there. I think it's the how and not the what that has people upset. We can debate it. That's your line. I start Yeah, I, line. you know, I don't care about the how, you know. I care about the what. But. <laughs> All right, my friend. Appreciate it, Sherelle. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Over 200-plus on 1130 on a Tuesday night. Carolina back in action on Saturday. Check out Insect Carolina Live, um, 10 to 12, streaming on WCHL and probably on the YouTube, Insect Carolina YouTube channel, if I can figure that out. That's my duty to bring to you guys on Saturday morning. Also, uh, Scoop Podcast, Up in the Rafters Podcast, and On the Beat Live Thursday night with Inside Carolina. Uh, myself hosting Ross and Adam and John Bowman. That's 9 o'clock Thursday night. We'll talk about it much more as we roll on. Thanks, Sherelle. Thanks, everybody.